what a time already in God's house, huh? Amazing moment to be in worship today. And of course, I don't know if you could put all of the pieces together or not, but it was a family affair today. That was uh, Caleb's family, more or less. And so you can see he got it honestly. Uh, they probably, I guess, was told uh, by their parents, you know, if you're going to be one of our kids, you got to play an instrument and sing because they can all do that. Maybe it was even told if you want to marry in, you have to play an instrument and sing. I don't know because it seems they can all do that as well. We're grateful uh, that God has blessed, up with, blessed us with Caleb's leadership and to have his family here today, his dad, his brother, his sister, obviously his wife, and then a future a sister-in-law to be up here singing and playing and leading with us is such a blessing. It's wonderful to be in God's house and to be led to his throne in the way that we have and as we do each and every week. Well, if you've been with us throughout the entirety of this series that we're calling Born is the King, you know that we've made some stops along the way to truly zero in on the significance of Jesus, his nature, the significance of his birth, his message, and all that he had to say. And today we want to look at his mission. So the story is told of a college philosophy professor who got to the end of the term and decided it was time for the final exam. And the final exam was just going to have one question. One question for the students to have a pen and a blue book and write the answer. And the question was simply this, why? And so, of course, as the time came for the exam and everybody entered the classroom, uh, they came prepared to answer that. So many were writing just everything that he had covered over the course of that semester and that term. They were writing down everything they could come up with. And one student, kind of just by himself off to one side, about a minute into it, wrote one thing down, put his name on it, turned it in, and left the testing room. And so when they came back and, and they kind of went over everything, that particular individual got a 100 A+. Plus. And they were all perplexed at how he went so fast, he had not a whole lot that he had said. Why is it that he got an A for just writing something down in a minute or so and walking out the room? And his answer was simply this, because. And that may be oversimplifying things to just say because, but every one of our why questions usually starts with that word, right? I mean, think about it back to when you were a child, or maybe you have children, and when they get to that point that they're asking over and over and over again, why mom, why dad, why this, why that, they're, whether they know it or not, they're wanting to know what the intent is behind your decision, your choice, the things that you're doing with them. And so as we come to this title today of his mission, we want to talk about the why of Jesus. We could go all over scripture, why he came and what he came for and find sort of a mission statement for Christ. But I want to take you to two places right away that I think sum it up. And one of them is in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. And this isn't going to be where we spend all of our time. We're going to actually go to the book of Matthew, but I want you to see this. For a moment, it says in Luke 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Sums up Jesus' role. He came to search out the ones who needed him. To give them help. To rescue them and to be there for them. And if we were to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, we'd read this. And for our sake, God made him who knew no sin. 
And I like the way it's worded in what you're seeing on the screen. Who had no sin. No sin about him in any way. God made him who had or knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the mission of Jesus. And so as we think about born as the king and his mission, I want to remind you that the king's mission was not one of conquering power, intense warfare, or overthrowing governments. No, his mission was one of sacrifice and mercy poured out on the weak and the lowly. He came for the least of these. And this is what we want to look at this morning. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to get into verse 16 together this morning. And while you're turning there, I'll just remind you that the book of Matthew was written to show Jesus as king. He wrote to a Roman audience to show Jesus as king of kings and Lord of lords. And so here's what it says in verse 15 of Matthew 12. And Jesus was aware of this. He was aware of the hostility and the challenge coming to him from the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And being aware of that, he withdrew from there, not out of fear, but out of realizing that they weren't in control of when his time would come and when the end would arrive. And so he withdrew because it wasn't his time to go public and to go to the cross or anything like that. And many began to follow him and he healed them all. And he ordered them not to make him known. Interesting phrase there. Not to make him known. Why would they not want his identity to be known? We talked about that in the early aspects of this series, right? But it wasn't time for him to go public yet. And so he ordered them, don't make me known. Keep me to yourself, so to speak. This was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet Isaiah. And behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved one with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him And he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. So he came for the lost, and he came to become one of us. I want you to see this morning four realities for us from the king's mission. The first thing that I want you to see is this. The king reaches down to rescue you and me. Go back to verse 18 for just a minute. We'll see this. Behold my servant and whom I have chosen. My beloved with whom I am well pleased and my soul is pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. The king reaches down To rescue you and me. To rescue us from what? To rescue us from sin and self. The two things that are fundamentally challenging to us is the sin that we all face and the self that we all try to please. It's a distinction between Christianity and all other religious forms. All other religions have a man attempting to reach God mentality But Christianity has God reaching down to us. Reaching down is an active response to rescue us that is wrapped up in the Christmas story. God was so moved by your sin and by my sin that he left everything. And guess what? He took it upon himself. 
This was his heartbeat. This was his mission. And yet I would tell you this morning, this is just the beginning. So what does this mean for us? If he came and reached down to rescue us from sin and self, it means that we should be people who rescue others as well. We should be one who rescues those around us. We should be looking for those who in turn are in need of something, of hope, of grace, of mercy and love, and we should give that to them. We should pass that reaching of rescue on to the ones that God places in our path. Not only does he reach down to rescue us, the king, but he also reaches in to change you and me. There's something internal that goes on when it comes to the king's work in our lives. We call it transformation. Something he does to make a difference in us. Go look at verse 19. He will not quarrel or cry aloud. What does this mean? Jesus isn't going to come with some grand fanfare, with loud, harassing words, with an intimidating approach. He's not going to come by force. Nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. No, it's going to be the still, small voice of Christ that we need to pick up on that we need to clue into, and that we need to let transform us from the inside out. He reaches down to rescue us. He reaches in to change us. King Jesus wants His rescue of me and you to lead to our transformation. Something different going on internally that then affects the way we live to those around us each and every day. A daily walk, that leads to a daily transformation. It's an inward heart change that, guess what, allows you and me to obey the King of Kings. And in doing so, guess what, we also become more like the King. Changing us is a work that the King intends to accomplish, and it's in keeping with His mission. If He became sin on our behalf to the one who knew no sin, guess what it says in the second part of that? So that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. We can't experience that on our own. We have to have Jesus reach in and change us from the inside out. We must be willing to change and completely submissive to Him as we change. It's listening to the voice of the shepherd. What does it say in John chapter 10? My sheep hear my voice and they know me. And they follow me according to that recognition. The king reaches down to rescue you and me from sin and self. But he's not content to leave us in that condition. He reaches in to change you and me. And then I want you to also see this. He reaches out to use you. He reaches out to use you. Go back and look at verse 20 real quick. There's some language here that is quoted from the prophet Isaiah that I want us to see because it's powerful when we really understand what is being described here. It says in verse 20, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. When you and I hear that, we maybe don't know exactly what is being described there, but this is language, no doubt, that would be very familiar to the people of that day because they obviously were a sheep herding type people. They were an agricultural type people. And so a bruised reed, a reed was used in instrumentation that would be placed into a flute to lead the sheep. The shepherd would play that flute and the sheep would follow. But here's the thing, if that reed ever got compromised, if it was cracked, if it was somehow 
damaged. It was really at that point used for nothing. It was useless. It was simply something that needed to be discarded in order for another one to be picked up. And so what Jesus is saying here is, what's being described about him is that when we're sort of looked upon as damaged goods because of sin, he's not going to cast us to the side. A smoldering wick he will not quench. Similar idea there. You know, in that day and time, they didn't have electricity, so they followed the light of lamps with oil. And when that oil ran dry, it would just sort of smolder at the wick with just a bare minimum of smoke. No light to be had. Once again, rather useless. But the Lord Himself is saying, I'm not going to take just a smoldering wick of faith in your life or mine and quench it. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build it back up because I am here for the least of these. No one is outside of the love of Christ. So as He rescues you and as He changes you, guess what? He also chooses to equip and use you. Each and every one of us, God is making a distinct choice to give you some gifts, to give you a heartbeat, to give you some skills and experience and some abilities. And He's bringing all that together to create a passion in you to live for Him and to serve Him. And that's what it means when He says, I reach out in order to use you. A smoldering wick, I'm not going to quench. Just a small crack in a reed, I'm not going to cast aside or break to say it's useless. We're all worth it to the King. And you know what? The evidence of that worth is His willingness to gift us and His desire to use us. I don't know if you've ever really realized maybe where God wants to use you in the kingdom. But there's no better time than the present to try to start figuring that out. It doesn't matter how old you are in this room and how long you may have just been coming and just kind of participating. That's okay. We want you to come and we want you to start that way. But know this, God doesn't want you to stay in a consumer role in the faith. He wants you to become a producer And even if that's on just a small level, producing whatever God has gifted you with and whatever the fruit of that result would be is his desire for your life. And so if you've never really thought you had anything to offer the kingdom of God, know this, nothing could be further from the truth. God wants to use you. And his desire is to allow you to become productive. Scripture would tell us what? We are designed to bear much fruit. Now that result's going to look different in each one of us. And so whatever your, your gifts and your skill set is, don't see it as less than someone else's. If you're not on this platform, know this, whatever you're doing is just as vital to the kingdom of God. If you're leading children, you're teaching them Bible stories. If you're instructing our students or teaching an adult group, whatever it may be, if you're involved in greeting, all of that is worthwhile. The king longs to use you and me. We're to be used by him to be a witness and a voice to those that we meet and encounter, but we're also to be used by him to become someone who can also be useful in the family of God called the church. So let's be people 
who let God use us to help others. Let's be people who go on a journey now to find out what our gift may be and what our calling is. You see, we all have a calling, just like we read sort of the mission of Jesus in Luke 19.10. Son of man came to seek and to save the lost. We all have a calling of sorts about our lives, even if we're not involved in direct church-wide ministry. Just because you're not a staff member doesn't mean you can't be a servant. Isn't that the word that was used right here to describe Jesus? Of all of the words that are used in Scripture to describe Him, we're in a book that's sole purpose is to point Him out as King. And what does it say in verse 18? Behold my servant, the one who does nothing apart from what I impulse, lead, direct, and guide him to do. And so the king, he reaches down to rescue you and me from sin and self. He reaches in to change us in a transforming way so that we can become more like Christ and less of ourselves evident to those around us. He reaches out to use us And then finally, I want you to see this. This is what we hold on to. The the last verse there that we get is, and in his name, the Gentiles will hope. That's all of us. Jesus came for the world, right? He came first to the Jew. But when the Jew rejected him, he came for everyone. That was always God's plan. And so we have to know this. We place our hope in this reality of this next point from the king's mission. He will Return to claim you. If you're one of his children, if you know the Lord, and you've placed your faith and trust in him, then born is the king means he came once. And guess what? He's coming again one day. And every day that we live and we turn a page in the calendar and time of our lives, we're marching that much closer to the return of Christ. He will return to claim you and me. You know, as we come to Christ, we receive the gift of salvation from the King. Guess what the Scripture would say? We're, we're adopted. We're placed into the family. We're made to be one of His children. And therefore, we also have full rights as heirs of God. Co-heirs of Christ. Now listen, I'm not telling us that so we could get kind of puffed up be bragging or arrogant or prideful. I'm reminding us of that so that we can find security. We can stay humble that a God of the universe would so give us that inheritance. Placed into his family for the purpose of his glory and for what is to come, that he would return one day and claim us as his own. And so through God's adoptive act of rescue, guess what? There's a permanent connection formed for you and me. We're connected to God eternally from that moment on. We're secure in our place in the family. And just like it says, and in Him the Gentiles will hope, we can take heart in this. We can find assurance. We can find comfort that on our worst days, on our hardest moments, God is there. He comes, meets with us, When we're farthest away from Him, that's when He is most active in pursuit of us. All of that speaks to who He is and what He wants to be about in our lives. 
And so just like we've been rescued, let's be people who rescue others. Just like we've been given gifts, and so we need to be people who allow God to use us to help others. I want you to also understand this. There's encouragement. There's hope. And there's assurance in knowing that He's coming one day again, returning to claim you. So let's be people who trust in the King's return. If Jesus is coming, don't we want to be about our Father's business? Don't we want to be people who are actively doing what God has instructed us to do? To love those that we encounter and to point them to Him. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads this morning. You know, anytime we come to the end of a message in a moment like this, I want to give you an opportunity to do some personal one-on-one business with God. I don't know what God may be saying to you in this moment, but when you think about His rescuing nature, His desire to change you, His longing to want to use you, and His one day eventual return to claim you, certainly something inside of you is stirred up. So I would just ask you this morning, how have you responded to the King and His mission? Has it been one of obedience? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him from the very start? If you've not committed your life to Christ yet, I want you to know that in this moment, a simple, honest prayer. If you've been confronted with your need to be rescued and you've never done that, something as basic as, God, I know I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from you and right now I want to be united back to you through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. And so I thank you for Him and I ask Him to come in and to be my Savior and to save me from my sin. If you say something that honest, that real, that sincere, the Scripture tells us God will hear you. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're one who's already committed your life to Christ, but you're saying, you know what? I've not been involved in letting Him use me. He reaches out to use me, and I want to be one who's useful to the kingdom. And maybe you want to start asking him in prayer, where can I begin to serve? What can I do for the kingdom? And as you do that, I believe God's going to place an intention, an impulse on your heart and give you a direction and a course with which to do. If you need some help in that endeavor, by all means, come see me. I'd love to talk with you, one of our other ministers. We can definitely make you aware of the possibilities But God wants to use you. Whatever He's saying to you in this moment, don't let it slip away before you do some business with Him. And if you want to talk further or just have prayer, know this, when we're through this morning, I'm going to be in Guest Central and I'd love to pray with you in that moment. I'm going to pray now and then we're going to sing a closing song together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for this time of the season of Christmas to be right in front of us. And to be mindful of what it means that you came and you lived, you served, you healed, and you ministered to so many. But then you died so that we could have life again. And you rose defeating death so that we could also one day defeat death through you. And God, now we come just thanking you for this time. 
your word that has been proclaimed. And as we conclude this moment, God, we want you to have your way for us. So we give you this time. We give you this moment. May it be useful and glory of what you want to show us about yourself and the response we need to have to what you've done for us. So we offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to you to stand. We're going to sing. If at any moment during this time you want to come and just maybe make these steps, your personal prayer altar, feel free to do that. However God is leading you and prompting you, respond to this moment.